Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine. Thank you very much. I'm Philip Emagwale. My quest for the precursor to the modern supercomputer that is fastest by parallel processing across a new internet that is a new global network of processors began as a vague idea. That quest began as the seed of an Iroko tree and blossomed 16 years later into the world's fastest supercomputer that is the Iroko tree of the unknown forest named the massively parallel processing supercomputer. The Iroko tree is the tallest tree in Igbo land of southeastern Nigeria. The Iroko tree grows along the west coast of Africa. The Iroko tree can live for up to 500 years. My quest for the parallel processing supercomputer began in the early morning of Thursday, June 20th, 1974 in Covalis, Oregon, United States. My quest for the modern supercomputer ended at 8.15 in the morning of Tuesday, the 4th of July, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. That quest for the parallel processing supercomputer led to my deeper and surer understanding of the Internet as a planetary supercomputer hopeful. I had ideas about parallel processing since 1974, but until the 4th of July 1989, I did not experimentally prove that parallel processing makes the impossible to compute possible to compute. My experimental discovery that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, was my lockdown evidence. My discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer made the news headlines because I tested the new supercomputer experimentally and successfully. My discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer went beyond theory 
to become an experiment verified discovery of a new supercomputer that is not a computer per se, but that is a new internet de facto. I, Philip M. Aguale, was the African supercomputer scientist that was in the news headlines onward of my experimental discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer that occurred on the 4th of July 1989. I was in the news for experimentally discovering how and why a new ensemble of the slowest processors can be harnessed and be used to solve the toughest problems arising in both computational mathematics and computational physics and how that new ensemble of the slowest processors can be harnessed and be used to solve computation-intensive problems that even the fastest vector processing supercomputer was unable to solve. Because I was in the news, Steve Jobs tried to reach me by telephone in June 1990. Steve Jobs and his computer programmers explored how they could increase the speed of their computers and increase them by incorporating the technology of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that I experimentally discovered. Put differently, Steve Jobs wanted to know how I reduced 65,536 days or 180 years of time to solution on only one processor and how I reduced that time to solution to only one day of time to solution across a new internet. That new internet that I experimentally discovered is a new global network of 65,536 processors that emulates one seamless cohesive computer that is a new supercomputer de facto. It was for a good reason that to massively parallel process and to do so across a new ensemble of 65,536 processors was called the grand challenge problem of supercomputing. It was for a good reason that the June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World magazine carried an article that ridiculed, mocked, and rejected the massively parallel processing supercomputer. That article in the Computer World magazine was titled Research in Parallel Processing Questioned as waste of time. 32 years after that negative article in the Computer World magazine, Steve Jobs 
also questioned research in parallel processing, describing it as a huge waste of everybody's time. On June 9, 2008, Steve Jobs told the opening session of Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference in San Francisco, California, that his research computer scientists at his Apple Corporation questioned research in parallel processing as a huge waste of their time. As reported in the June 10, 2008 issue of the New York Times, Steve Jobs told Apple's worldwide developers that, quote, the way the processor industry is going is to add more and more cores. But nobody knows how to program those things, Steve Jobs said. And Steve Jobs continued, I mean, two, yeah, four, not really, eight, forget it, unquote. I experimentally discovered the massively parallel processing supercomputer that Steve Jobs and his research computer scientists declared impossible to invent. The massively parallel processing technology is at the heart of fastest supercomputer of today that hopefully will become the everyday computer of tomorrow. I experimentally discovered that the technology of massively parallel processing is a necessary condition for creating both the fastest computers and the fastest supercomputers. Since the programmable supercomputer was invented in 1946, we never invented a new supercomputer without first and foremost experimentally discovering faster supercomputer speeds. By definition of the word computer, we will never invent a new supercomputer without first and foremost experimentally discovering a new fastest supercomputer speed. To achieve that grand wizardry in fastest massively parallel processing supercomputer requires the visceral understanding that the massively parallel processing supercomputer is not a computer per se. I experimentally discovered that my massively parallel processing supercomputer that I visualized as a small global network of 65,536 commodity processors that were identical to each other and that were equal distances afar and apart from each other is a small internet de facto. It's been said that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I have spoken out of my heart 
I have spoken a lot about supercomputers. I have spoken about the massively parallel processing supercomputer that I invented. I have spoken since the 1970s and spoken about how I was the first eyewitness of the experimental discovery of how and why a new ensemble of the slowest processors that computes together as one seamless, cohesive, massively parallel processing supercomputer is a new internet de facto. The words I spoke came from my discoveries, heart and brain. Those words will define me for posterity. To witness a discovery that has some rich, fertile, and far-reaching consequences is like walking into a forest and witness a lot of leaves fall on your head. In a nutshell, this is my supercomputer story and my contribution to the development of the fastest supercomputer. I began programming supercomputers on June 20, 1974 in Corvallis, Oregon, United States. Two years later and in 1976 and at the National Computer Conference in New York City, a panel of supercomputer experts warned that parallel processing machines are quote-unquote large and clumsy. That panel of supercomputer experts ridiculed, mocked, and rejected the then-unproven technology of the massively parallel processing supercomputer. That panel of supercomputer experts offhandedly dismissed the technology of parallel processing as a huge waste of everybody's time. In the 1980s, I was severally dismissed from my research teams and dismissed for advocating the massively parallel processing supercomputer. In the 1980s, I could count the number of programmers that we are massively parallel processing and count them on my fingers. But I needed only one finger to count them because I was the only person that was logged on 24-7 and logged on the most massively parallel processing supercomputer ever manufactured. Today, the market value of that massively parallel processing supercomputer that I programmed alone has appreciated by a factor of 1,000. That new supercomputer that I programmed alone now costs the budget of a small nation. I experimentally programmed the new massively parallel processing supercomputer and I programmed it alone. And I did so because the 25,000 vector processing supercomputer scientists 
of the 1980s, we are heeding the textbook warnings that it will forever remain experimentally impossible to harness the total theorized supercomputing power of an ensemble of thousands of processors. The supercomputing community's abandonment of the massively parallel processing supercomputer unintentionally created a certain cachet of exclusivity and did so because they were de facto excluded from the frontier of human knowledge that was defined by the massively parallel processing supercomputer of the 1980s and earlier. The supercomputer textbooks of the 1970s and 80s cited Amda's law that was erroneously formulated in April 1967 and cited that incorrect law to argue that massively parallel processing across 64 binary thousand processors will forever remain impossible or at least remain impractical. I'm Philip Emma Aguale. I began supercomputing on June 20, 1974, at age 19, in Corvallis, Oregon, United States. Back in the 1970s and 80s, the core technology that drives both the modern computer and the massively parallel processing supercomputer of today and drives them at their fastest speeds was ridiculed, mocked, and rejected. In scientific research, a scientist that discovered something new that other scientists did not know asserts his or her authority over his or her discovery and do so by authoring an in-depth research report on his or her discovery and then giving a companion series of lectures that are shared with everybody in the world, including those on YouTube. My series of lectures or my contributions to the development of the modern supercomputer are posted at youtube.youtube.com slash emaagwale. The vector processing supercomputer scientists of the 1980s that I asked to review my 1057-page research report on the new massively parallel processing supercomputer that I was programming ridiculed, mocked, and rejected my experimental discoveries and inventions. In late 1989, when my experimental discovery won the top prize in the field of supercomputing and began to make the news headlines across major U.S. newspapers, those supercomputer scientists that ridiculed, mocked, and rejected my research report confessed to news journalists that they threw my one thousand and fifty-seven page supercomputer research report 
into the trash. After my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that occurred on the 4th of July 1989, those supercomputer scientists that ridiculed, mocked, and rejected my discovery of the precursor of the modern supercomputer realized that the history of the supercomputer is unfolding right before their eyes and that they were not a part of the story of the development of the modern supercomputer. In 1989, and after I won the top prize in supercomputing, those supercomputer scientists that ridiculed, mocked, and rejected my experimental discovery of parallel processing became envious of my new fame and ran back to me to beg for a second copy of my 1057-page supercomputer research report that they previously threw into the trash. The news headlines described me as the African supercomputer wizard and did so because my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that occurred across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 tightly coupled commonly available processors and that occurred on the 4th of July 1989 was described as the wizardry act of making the previously impossible to compute possible to compute. What was erroneously written in the supercomputer textbooks of the 1940s through 80s was that it will forever remain impossible to harness the potential power of parallel processing. The June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World magazine interviewed supercomputer experts that were attending the 1976 National Computer Conference in New York City. Those supercomputer experts were asked if it will ever be possible to experimentally discover how to use parallel processing or how to use an ensemble of thousands of processors and how to use them to execute the fastest computations across that ensemble. The unanimous opinion of those supercomputer scientists was summed up in an article in the June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World magazine. That article was written by E. Drake Londell Jr., who was the computer industry editor for the Computer World magazine. That article was titled, quote, Research in Parallel Processing, Questioned as Waste of Time, unquote. Looking back retrospectively, 
The reason I was not discouraged from massively parallel processing across an ensemble of 65,536 processors was that I was then only 21 years old and therefore I had the years to waste. It seemed like I was wasting 15 years onward of age 19 and wasting that prime decade and a half pursuing parallel processing that then seemed impossible. I spent the 13 years onward of 1976 conducting my supercomputer research and researching as a lone wolf at supercomputer centers that were across the United States. I had a presence in supercomputer centers from Corvallis, Oregon to Pasadena, California to Chicago, Illinois. As an extreme-scale computational physicist at the frontier of the supercomputer, my research focus was on how to experimentally discover a massively parallel processing supercomputer that I defined and outlined by a new ensemble of 65,536 tightly coupled commodity off-the-shelf processors and how to experimentally discover how to reduce 180 computing years on only one processor that is solving the toughest problem arising in extreme-scale computational physics to just one supercomputing day across my new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 processors that are harnessed to solve the same initial boundary value problem in modern calculus or mathematical physics. 11 out of 10 people did not understand how I experimentally discovered the precursor to the modern supercomputer. It was not I, Philip M. Aguale, that first reported my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that computes faster than any vector processing supercomputer. My experimental discovery of parallel processing that occurred on the 4th of July 1989 was first reported by the Computer Society of the IEEE. The IEEE is the acronym for the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. The contributions to computational mathematics that arose from my experimental discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer was reported in the May 1990 issue of the Siam News. The Siam News is written by research mathematicians for research mathematicians. The Siam News is the flagship publication of Siam, the acronym for the Society for Industrial and Applied Mathematics. 
However, my new mathematical knowledge that the Siam News described as my mathematical contributions to computational mathematics was how the Siam News understood my mathematical discovery of nine new partial differential equations of modern calculus and understood my mathematical invention of the companion nine new partial difference equations of extreme scale algebra that approximated my nine new partial differential equations. What the Siam News understood as my contributions to computational mathematics was not how, how I understood my invention. A discovery is like the moon. A discovery has two parts. The visible part and the hidden part. In 1989, the news media was reporting the concrete and the visible part of my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer and was ignoring the abstract and the invincible part of that discovery that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989. Back in 1977, I worked in the civil engineering field of highway construction. I did so for the state of Maryland and I helped expand portions of the federal highway between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C. Nine years later, I worked for the United States government. I worked as an engineering physicist that was responsible for updating nine standard operating procedures. I used each standard operating procedure to safely operate each dam and I used the procedure to safely control the water level of the reservoir that is upstream of the dam. And I used the procedure to operate the hydroelectric power plant within the dam. All the nine dams that I worked on we are located within the state of, Mary, of Wyoming. Wyoming is a state in the western region of the United States. Wyoming is defined by vast plains and by the Rocky Mountains. Wyoming is best known for epic cowboy, epic, epic cowboy and western movies and for its Yellowstone National Park. One of those nine dams that I operated was the imposing 214 feet high Pathfinder Dam. Pathfinder was an arch dam that was a triumph of early 20th century design. Water cascaded from the mid-level outlet tunnel of the Pathfinder Dam. The Pathfinder Dam on the North Platte River of Arid, Wyoming, is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The North Platte is a river that rises in the snow melt of the Colorado Rocky Mountains. 
the nine reservoirs in the state of Wyoming that I operated stored water that served the parched farmlands of Wyoming. Glendale Dam in the state of Wyoming is an earth-filled dam that is 190 feet high. Glendale Dam has a crest length of 2,096 feet. As a practicing engineering physicist at the Glendale Dam, I visualized the total amount of water that I controlled as follows. I had 800,000 acre feet of water stored upstream of Glendale Dam. One acre foot of water covers an acre of land to a depth of one foot. The term SOP is the United States Bureau of Reclamation's acronym for its standard operating procedure. In my SOP for Glendale Dam, the water storage capacity and the water redistribution is divided as follows. 100,000 acre feet for, for farmland irrigation. 115,000 acre feet to control sediment transportation. 275,000 acre feet for controlling floods and avoiding dam break and 310,000 acre feet for producing hydroelectric power. Those engineering experiences aside, I was primarily a research engineer, not a practicing engineer. The difference is this. The practicing engineer likes to solve problems that are considered possible to solve, while the research engineer attempts to solve the toughest problems that we are considered impossible to solve. I was in the news headlines because I experimentally discovered that the impossible to solve is in fact possible to compute. A scientist becomes famous when he or she creates new knowledge or makes a discovery or an invention that creates new wealth and makes the world a better place. For me, Philip M. Agwale, I define solving the toughest problems arising at the frontier of engineering knowledge as the science and technology of using my knowledge of extreme-scale algebra, abstract calculus, computational physics, and the massively parallel processing supercomputer, and using that knowledge in a never-before-seen way, and using that knowledge to solve extreme-scale initial boundary value mathematical problems and using that knowledge to help build better bridges across my ancestral hometown of Onitsha, Nigeria, or to help design faster airplanes, safer ships, safer nuclear power plants, and even more fuel-efficient cars. The now ubiquitous technology 
of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that was scorned and rejected in the 1940s through 80s is used by practicing engineers and used to increase their productivity and used to reduce their time to market. The riddle of parallel processing was experimentally solved in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, and experimentally solved at 8.15 in the morning of Tuesday, the 4th of July, 1989. That was the U.S. Independence Day. That experimental discovery was a rock-solid proof and not a hunch that parallel processing makes computers faster. Doing many things at once or supercomputing in parallel became a surefire way to increase the speed of all modern supercomputers. My experimental discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer was my first major breakthrough in the world of science and technology. That discovery was the milestone that put the name Philip Emma Aguale into school reports. I experimentally discovered all the parallel processed speed up there was to discover. The invention of the massively parallel processing supercomputer is the single most transformative technology and the biggest advance in physics since Newton Galileo. I began programming the sequential processing supercomputer on June 20, 1974 and at age 19. Back then to program the parallel processing supercomputer and to do so for the first time was like asking a man who had never climbed a mountain to begin by climbing Mount Everest. In 1974, parallel processing was scorned and ridiculed as a wonderfully useless and vacuous gimmick. In 1974, parallel processing was mocked as a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. After my experimental discovery of parallel processing that occurred on the 4th of July 1989, the parallel processed supercomputer technology became a time-tested truth that has been reconfirmed across the frontiers of extreme-scale computational physics, across the frontiers of large-scale algebraic computations and across the frontiers of the toughest initial boundary value problems that arises in modern calculus that are, for example, at the mathematical core 
of the general circulation modeling that must be used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming. The Earth's atmosphere doesn't fit into a lab or into one computer. For that reason, I invented how to fit the Earth's atmosphere into a new supercomputer that is not a computer per se, but that is a new internet de facto. My new internet is powered by an ensemble of 65,536 commonly available processors, with each processor operating its own operating system, and with each processor having its own dedicated memory that shared nothing between each other. I'm Philip Emagwale, the extreme-scaled computational mathematician who became known for mathematically discovering how to solve the most computation-intensive problems arising in calculus and algebra and arithmetic. I mathematically invented how to solve the toughest problems arising in extreme-scaled computational physics and how to solve them across a new internet that's a new global network of 64 binary thousand tightly coupled commodity off-the-shelf processors that are identical to each other and that are equal distances are far and apart from each other. Yet, I cannot fully describe the Philip Emagwale's equations, namely the nine partial differential equations of the modern calculus and the companion and approximating nine partial difference equations of extreme scale algebra that took me 16 years to discover and invent. I cannot fully describe the Philip Emagwale's equations within 60 minutes. For this reason, I've posted online thousands of pages on how I discovered and invented the Philip Emagwale's equations. I've posted online a series of audio taped and videotaped lectures in which I described my contributions to physics, calculus, algebra, and the supercomputer. I've posted my lectures on my website, emmaagwale.com. I also shared the abstract and the invincible parts of my mathematical discovery, and I shared them with research mathematicians. I delivered an invited lecture on my contributions to mathematics, and I delivered that lecture at the largest international mathematics congress called ICM 91 that's held once every four years. My ICM 91 lecture 
was at 11 a.m. Monday, July 8, 1991, in the Dover Room of the Washington Sheraton Hotel in Washington, in the District of Columbia, United States. Because I had become known to the research mathematics community, I was invited to deliver that lecture and invited by a society of societies named the International Council of Industrial and Applied Mathematics. The Council of Mathematics asked me to speak at one of the ICM 91 symposia of the International Congress of Industrial and Applied Mathematics. The research mathematicians at that mathematics symposium was a gathering of the who's who in the world of mathematics. Most research mathematicians in that world's largest mathematics conference were at home with using the partial differential equations of the modern calculus and using those abstract equations to symbolically encode and to solve the most extreme-scaled problems arising in computational physics. Such massively parallel-processed supercomputer problems include the excruciatingly detailed general circulation modeling of the air and the water that enshroud planet Earth and executing such models to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming. Such massively parallel processed supercomputer problems include the high-resolution petroleum reservoir simulation that is executed to recover otherwise unrecoverable crude oil and natural gas. The massively parallel processing supercomputer that I experimentally discovered on the 4th of July 1989 is used to discover and recover otherwise undiscoverable and unrecoverable crude oil and natural gas that are buried a mile deep inside the Niger Delta oil fields of southeastern Nigeria. Please allow me to quote myself from that lecture of July 8, 1991 that I gave to the International Congress of Mathematicians. Quote, Under the laws of physics is the partial differential equations of calculus. Under the calculus is the system of equations of algebra. Under the algebra is a set of floating point arithmetical operations. Electronically and automatically executing the floating point arithmetical operations is a new internet that's a new global network of processors. Connecting to each processor is an ensemble of 16 pairs of bidirectional email wires. Controlling that new internet as a cohesive whole unit that's a massively parallel processing supercomputer that's comprised of two raised to power 16 processors 
that are married together by 16 times to raise to power 16 email wires is the supercomputer wizard. I, Philip Emagwale, was that supercomputer scientist that was logged on alone to the only system powered by 2 raised to power 16 or 65,536 processors. I discovered that a grand challenge problem in extreme scale computational physics could be divided into 65,536 challenging problems that I solved in each of my 65,536 tightly coupled processors and solved at the speed of 47,303 calculations per second per processor. The total speed of my massively parallel processing supercomputer was the world's fastest computation. End of quote. It's often said that necessity is the mother of invention. The progress of the field of extreme-scale computational physics has been a sequence of interplays between the computer and the field of mathematical physics. The fastest sequential processing supercomputers of the mid-1940s inspired the development of algorithms that are used to solve the largest possible system of equations of algebra, such as the diagonal system of equations of algebra that arises from explicit finite difference approximations of the primitive equations of meteorology that is behind all massively parallel processed supercomputer generated weather forecast in your television evening news. The reason my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer was reported in newspapers and in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal was that it was a technological breakthrough. I experimentally discovered how to harness a new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand commodity off-the-shelf processors with each processor operating its own operating system and with each processor having its own dedicated memory that shared nothing between each other. I experimentally discovered how and why that new internet is an instrument of extreme scale computational physics and how to use that new internet to compute faster than any sequential or vector processing supercomputer that computed with the fastest custom processor. My technological breakthrough 
that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, opened the path to the field of massively parallel processing that was previously dismissed as a huge waste of everybody's time. China is exploiting the rich and fertile consequences from my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer that was the precursor to the modern supercomputer. China now has the world's fastest supercomputer. The fastest supercomputer assembled in China by a team of 1,300 Chinese engineers and scientists is massively parallel processing across 10,649,600 commodity off-the-shelf processors. Chinese supercomputer scientists divided their grand challenge problems in extreme-scale computational physics and did so to enable them to solve in parallel 10,649,600 smaller problems. China's use of 10,649,600 commonly available processors vindicated my programming of 64 binary thousand commodity of the shelf processors. Massively parallel processing across 1 billion processors could be extended to the as yet unsolved billion problems of extreme scale computational physics. For a wider and a more diverse perspective, we need to see the massively parallel processing supercomputer that is the precursor to the modern supercomputer and see the technology through the eyes of its first lone wolf programmer and not always see the technology through the eyes of a person that merely studied the massively parallel processing supercomputer and studied the technology from the supercomputer authors, textbook authors, that in turn first learned how to program the modern supercomputer and learned it from the first person that programmed it. I, Philip Emma Aguale, was that first parallel processing supercomputer scientist that was the first to experimentally program the most massively parallel processing supercomputers of the 1980s and that was, that was ever built. I visualized my massively parallel processing supercomputer differently from other vector processing supercomputer scientists. I visualized my massively parallel processing supercomputer as a new internet that is a new global network of 65,000 
536 commodity off-the-shelf processors. I theorized my massively parallel processing supercomputer as my new internet that is a small copy of the internet. That new internet was a small copy of a never-before-understood internet that had only 65,536 processors around a room-sized globe instead of billions of computers around a planetary-sized globe. According to a 1989 survey, there were 25,000 vector processing supercomputer scientists in that year. Those 25,000 supercomputer scientists considered the precursor to the modern supercomputer to be a waste of time, a waste of time of their time. For that reason, I was the only supercomputer scientist that was logged on full-time and 24-7 on the most massively parallel processing supercomputer ever built. In 1989, I was in the news because I experimentally discovered how to use the precursor to the modern massively parallel processing supercomputer and how to use that technology to solve the most computation-intensive problems that arises in extreme-scale computational physics. I began supercomputing by programming the first supercomputer that was rated at the then on hard of speed of 1 million instructions per second. I began super programming that for supercomputer on June 20, 1974 at age 19 at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. As a 19-year-old that was programming that first supercomputer, I felt like a small boy that was challenged to climb the Iroko tree. The Iroko tree is one of the tallest trees in Africa. Asking a person to become the first programmer of the first massively parallel processing supercomputer was like asking a man who had never climbed a mountain to climb Mount Everest. Because it was considered impossible to program the first massively parallel processing supercomputer, nobody took me seriously in my attempt to climb the Mount Everest of the world of supercomputers. In the 1980s, I was logged on alone on the only system in the world that was powered by an ensemble of 65,536 commodity off-the-shelf processors. 
in that frontier of knowledge of the massively parallel processing supercomputer of 1989, there was a digital divide that is a gulf between white supercomputer scientists who had ready access to vector processing supercomputers but avoided the parallel processing supercomputer and wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole and the lone wolf black massively parallel processing supercomputer scientist. After it was discovered that I was black and African, I was banned from programming vector processing supercomputers and restricted to programming massively parallel processing supercomputers. I was forced to work alone. That act of racism created a digital divide with a twist. Namely, one black supercomputer scientist and no white supercomputer scientist at the farthest frontier of supercomputing and 25,000 nearly all-white supercomputer scientists hugging the soon-to-be-obsolete conventional vector processing supercomputer. In the 1980s, I was logged on alone on the most massively parallel processing supercomputers ever built. I was the lone wolf supercomputer scientist for two reasons. First, black supercomputer scientists were socially isolated. For that reason, black vector processing supercomputer scientists tend to program supercomputers alone. For that reason, I didn't know any other black supercomputer scientist while I was supercomputing in 1974 in Corvallis, Oregon, United States, or supercomputing in the mid-1980s in Cambridge, Massachusetts, United States, or supercomputing in the late 1980s in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. I knew from the unanimous rejections that I received from white supercomputing teams that a black supercomputer scientist will most likely be programming supercomputers alone and will most likely be supercomputing as an outsider to supercomputer laboratories in the United States. As an outsider, each black supercomputer scientist is most likely to think outside the box and outside conventional supercomputers and inside unorthodox supercomputers. For, for his or her outside-the-box thinking, the black supercomputer wizard is fearless and raw and brings a diversity of ideas to the massively parallel processing supercomputer that's missing in all white scientific supercomputer teams. As 
a lone wolf. That black supercomputer scientist must be a renaissance person that is a jack of several sciences that is simultaneously at home in mathematics, physics, and the new supercomputer science. I will guess that in 1989, that about 25 of the 25,000 supercomputer scientists in the world were black Americans, and that five were black sub-Saharan Africans. Furthermore, as one in a thousand black supercomputer scientists of the 1970s and 80s, we are scattered and didn't know each other. As I got known in the 1990s, I heard from a few black supercomputer scientists. Each black supercomputer scientist reconfirmed my theory that he worked as a lone wolf. As the first black person to win the top prize in supercomputing, I was devoured like a lamb and my garment was soiled in mockery. The goal of white hate groups was to wreck my image and to disrepute my reputation as the only supercomputer scientist that is the subject of school reports and that is honored on postage stamps. Back in the 1980s, all massively parallel processing supercomputers were in experimental laboratories, such as the United States National Laboratories that were taxed to experimentally discover how to use the massively parallel processing supercomputer and how to use that then on proving technology to simulate the shock waves that arises from exploded nuclear bombs. The goal of simulations of nuclear explosions was to evade the spirit of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty that bans all nuclear tests. That expanded treaty originated as the Limited Nuclear Test Ban Treaty that was signed on August 5, 1963, and signed by the United States, Soviet Union, and Great Britain. Fast forward three decades from my experimental discovery of the parallel processing supercomputer that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, 50% of the modern supercomputer that has high core counts are in industries and are used to discover and recover otherwise undiscoverable and unrecoverable crude oil and natural gas. The massively parallel processing supercomputer is used in the production oil fields of the Niger Delta region of southeastern Nigeria. The massively parallel processing supercomputer is used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming. For the record, the modern supercomputer was not recognized as a supercomputer 
until I, Philip Emma Aguale, experimentally discovered the technology as a massively parallel processing supercomputer. I experimentally discovered the precursor to the modern supercomputer in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, and I discovered the technology at 8.15 in the morning of Tuesday, the 4th of July, 1989. My experimental discovery of the modern supercomputer was recorded in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. My experimental discovery of the modern supercomputer was recorded again by then-President Bill Clinton in his White House speech of August 26, 2000. Prior to my experimental discovery, no ensemble of processors was rated as a supercomputer. Due to that performance failure, the parallel processing technology was scorned as a huge waste of everybody's time. My contribution to the development of the computer is the new knowledge that is the experimental discovery of how to massively parallel process and how to reduce the time to solution needed to solve the toughest problems arising in computational mathematics and in computational physics. I was in the news because I experimentally discovered how to reduce that time to solution and how to reduce that time from years to minutes and even seconds. That reduced time to solution enables us to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. Without my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer, the field of extreme-scale computational physics will not exist. I experimentally discovered that the conventional wisdom described in supercomputer textbooks as Anders Law was wrong. Anders Law claims that it will be impractical to efficiently parallel process across eight processors. It made the news headlines that I efficiently parallel processed and that I experimentally discovered a supercomputer speed up increase of a factor of 65,536 or more. I experimentally discovered how to record that speed up and how to do so across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 or more tightly coupled commodity processors with each processor operating its own operating system and with each processor having its own dedicated memory that shared nothing between each other. I was searching for a deeper understanding 
of how the massively parallel processing supercomputer becomes the fastest computer. And I gained that enlightenment on the 4th of July, 1989. That was when my invention rose from the ashes of rejection to be studied in schools as the contributions of Philip Emma Aguale to the development of the computer. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture.